You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the RB1 colon, a fantasy football podcast. You are not joined tonight by the regular host, Pete Rogers. Boss is away. And so the rest of the podcast host personalities will play. I am Clark Barnes. I am joined by Nick underscore underscore something or other that you're not going to remember. And Jordan (laughs) Smith. How's it going tonight, fellas? It's going good. I'm glad that uh, this is our chance for the three of us to do this podcast and we can start forming this coup against Pete and uh, eliminating all Patriots fans from fake teams. Right. This, this is our time to, to talk about the Patriots without, you know, the big homer around. It's nice. Right. Because I'm a Niners fan. That's right. Oh, yes. did, is that is the Niners your favorite team this week, Nick? Well, Pete, <laughs> Pete decided that it is, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to let that one stick. Um, yeah. I like it. But also, happy birthday, Becca. Yeah, also, happy birthday, Becca. Also, happy birthday, Becca. Yes. Uh, Pete can't join us tonight because he's choosing love over work. So, good decision. And uh, <laughs> probably better sleeping in the bed than sleeping on the couch uh, talking to us. Yeah, so it's a good decision there. Um, so, the show is likely going to be not as organized as you're used to, and that's just going to be fun. So we'll we'll get right into it. We're going to keep talking free agency like we did last week. We have a lot of big signings, and we're going to start with arguably the biggest for fantasy and, and one of the bigger contracts that we had. Le'Veon Bell goes to the Jets, the most telegraphed free agent signing, despite the Jets uh, leaking stories about how Le'Veon Bell was fat and how Le'Veon Bell probably had some character issues that we haven't heard about. And finally, the coup de grace, the stories, the Jets were just simply not interested. The Jets give Le'Veon Bell a a huge contract. Everybody in New York is excited. Jordan, what are your thoughts on this move? My thoughts are that it is very difficult to kind of guess where a free agent player is going to be, and I hardly ever get this right. But I just want to go on the record and remind folks that I called this months ago that Le'Veon Bell was going to be a Jet. And um, I think it's a f- fine move for the Jets. They have a little wiggle room thanks to having Sam Darnold on a rookie contract still. Um, they were, you know, maybe saved from themselves a little bit by not um, picking up Anthony Barr in free agency because they were about to offer him an absurd amount of money as well. Um, they still have a relatively high draft pick, so they could find a um, a very talented defensive player in the draft um, that could probably do a lot of what Anthony Barr can do, maybe if not more, because uh, you know there's a lot of good edge rushers in this draft. Um, but yeah, I like the I like the Le'Veon Bell move. I always like getting a 
solid like possession receiver or a running back that can catch passes to a young quarterback. Um, because when all else breaks down and all else fails, they can always have that good check down piece. And uh, I think Le'Veon Bell, if he's, you know, gets back up to game speed, can be a good little safety blanket for Sam Darnold. Yeah, I uh, I was starting to think that it might not actually happen just because of how long it was taking. Um, but I guess I'm ignorant to the, the free agent running back market, maybe, or how, how things work there. Um, I did think that it was kind of interesting that they just straight up cut Isaiah Crowell. Um, I know he's not stellar, and, and I guess maybe it was a money thing, but it, I kind of would have expected them to keep him just that just given that he's I don't know, probably their at least their most proven uh secondary back, if not their best overall. Yeah, well Le'Veon Bell, as we all know, is gonna get four to five hundred touches this year. So no need to carry a backup running back for the Jets. Uh I like your point of kind of wondering if it was gonna happen. It was a, a telegraphed punch that at the end we did start to get a little squirrely. The 49ers throwing their hat in there, at least uh, Le'Veon Bell's agent saying that the 49ers were throwing their hat in there. Uh, I like the move for the Jets. They had a ton of money. The debate about whether or not you should spend on a running back, I think, is irrelevant when you have nearly $110 million in cap space. You know, This is probably a deal that the Jets really only have to carry for two or three years, and Le'Veon Bell, I think, has – you know, plenty of plenty of tread left on the tires for two or three years. Uh, this move puts Le'Veon Bell as my number five running back in my way too early fantasy football ranks. Where do you think Le'Veon Bell is going to end up for you, Nick? That's a that's a that's a tough one because um, I think what I get caught up on when I'm thinking about the the top running backs is. I'm I'm not yet a believer that Saquon Barkley should be number one, but that seems to be the consensus. So my mind always goes straight there. Wow. I, I, yeah. Um, so I, he's probably, he'll probably take up the, the back end of the top tier. Like, um, so yeah, I guess five, five might work, but maybe he might be like six or seven. I might put him behind like Melvin Gordon and, uh, and definitely Christian McCaffrey. I think, Right now, um, you know, it's hard to tell. Is him being out of the league for a year, is that good because the mileage isn't there or is that bad because he's, you know, been out of football for so long? And I don't know. If I was making a, a top 10 fantasy running backs list right now, I think he would be in the, the back half of that 10, um, somewhere between 6 and 10, I, I would guess. Um, one move I do like that the Jets made, though, in order to – uh, help make this look better on the field is trading for a Kelechi Osemele. Um I think that's something that could help, uh, I guess, curb the uh, or adjust the learning curve a little bit for Le'Veon Bell or to help him get his feet back under him after missing some football and, of course, keeping Sam Darnold upright, which is very important. Yeah, I hope that this is enough to make the Jets interesting. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about teams who we want to win the Super Bowl later in the podcast. And no one likes the Jets, uh, but it will be nice. Uh, well, no one other than Jordan likes the Jets. So it will be nice uh, for them not to be completely irrelevant again this year. And 
And I look forward to seeing that. Another very fantasy-relevant signing that we had, I think that flew a little bit under the radar with everyone's smart aleck comments and snark, is Golden Tate going to the Giants. I I think this is one of those moves that if we'd just heard that this had happened in a vacuum, we would think this is a very solid pickup. Eli's arm isn't what it used to be. Golden Tate's a fantastic wide receiver who does great work over the middle, really good possession, kind of pressure relief guy. So just the kind of wide receiver that you would want as a compliment in an Eli Manning offense. Of course, then, you know, if you talk about the Giants, you have to talk about how they used to have perhaps the most talented wide receiver, certainly in the top five talented wide receivers, and they traded him for peanuts. Uh, so I think the Golden Tate move is going to be overlooked, and you might get a little value out of that. Jordan, what say you? Um, yeah, I think because Eli Manning is throwing to him, you might be able to get Golden Tate to slide in as a wide receiver two or a flex option. Um, I think it's, I mean, even with Eli Manning, you could probably pencil in Golden Tate for at least 100 catches, which is, uh, you know, clean 100 points for you uh, in PPR leagues. Um, I don't know. Eli Manning can't throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field, but uh, I think Golden Tate makes his living on on shorter routes anyhow. So that's that's fine. But like you said, Clark, it'll be a overlooked uh move to to make in fantasy circles that um that number kind of surprises me jordan do you think he's like a hundred balls when he's also working against fellow slot receiver in, in sterling and uh large slot receiver in evan ingram do you like you you think he, you think a hundred catches is safe um yeah i mean i think even when he was you know competing for passes uh, in Seattle with um, Doug Baldwin and Jermaine Curse or Marvin Jones and uh, Kenny Galladay in Detroit. I, I just think Golden Tate kind of gets his, even if it's not uh, in a spectacular fashion. I'm actually going to look up his, his stats so you guys can keep talking. <laughs> yeah, Nick, you raise a good point. Uh, all of the pass catchers for the Giants do the same thing, which is – Technically good because it's what the quarterback needs them to do, but you can, you can only have so many guys running routes over the middle. It's well, it's and it's interesting because it um, is going to necessarily stack the box full of defenders, so they're like making life harder on on uh, Saquon, which is part of my like. Is he really the? Only, I guess in PPR he probably is because he's going to catch twelve balls behind a line of scrimmage for like seven yards per game but um yeah i mean i think it it i love golden tate as a player i think it's a bizarre addition for the offense um because yeah it's just there's there's who, who is it they have on the outside the old uh it was latimer the old broncos receiver uh cory uh-huh. coleman maybe <laughs> well yeah oh did they oh that's fair well okay well meh. Um, anyway, yeah, I just think it's a lot of mouths to feed in the middle, and it it seems like it might be coming at the the um, to the to, at the detriment detriment of the overall offense. I'm actually I'm going to revise my sentiment on the fly here because I I think you guys make a, a great point that yeah, their receiving core kind of they all do the same thing um, at this point, and actually Golden Tate has never had more than a hundred catches in a season. His most is ninety nine. Um, he's had, 
you know, consecutive 90 plus catch seasons from 2014 through 2017, not so much last year. I mean, you might be able to blame that a little bit on switching teams, but um, yeah, that's, I don't know if that's a great thing. I feel like you could win a lot of bar bets with the Golden Tates never had a hundred reception year. He just kind of feels like that guy that would just have had it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I want to, before we stop talking about Saquon, the impact on Saquon Barkley here, I try not to look at other people's ranks early. If a podcast I'm listening to starts talking ranks, I'll try to turn it off until I at least do my rough draft because I don't want to get too influenced. But it's interesting you say Saquon is one. I have him six out of a group of running backs that I'm not going to argue about who should be number one. So, like, I think it's fantastic. I think he's going to have a great year. But I'm just worried enough about the Giants offense just not scoring a lot of touchdowns to maybe have, like, that 1,800 total yards and eight touchdown seasons is fantastic. But it's probably not RB1 numbers. I agree. I just That seems to be what I'm seeing a lot. Yeah. Fantasy drafts, I, I honestly don't want, like, the top three, a top three pick in fantasy drafts because I'm always afraid that I'm just going to pick the running back that is going to get injured. And if if Saquon Barkley is that, uh, that workhorse this year and he's the only one touching the football, then I am very worried about how he's going to hold up over the course of the season. Well, then you should check out my ranks, Jordan. I have Ezekiel Elliott. He who has never been really injured as my number one overall, simply because of the safety and the potential volume. So that's perfect. If I hit a double with my number one overall pick, I feel very good about that. Uh, you know, why take the chance? Or Leonard Fournette, he's never been injured. <laughs> it is a Jaguars podcast. So, all right, this is we're gonna we're gonna move on to my favorite move of the offseason just because this is. If you don't like this, you probably don't like football. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL again, boys. The Miami yes. Dolphins, gunning for that number one overall pick, I think have signed a quarterback just good enough to spoil it for him. Fitzmagic goes to Miami. Nick, I know you're excited. What I'm super excited, man. He's like good for him. Good for this dude turning his like what record setting interception career into just year after year of, of being like a, a mercenary quarterback. This is awesome. Um, and I, I really, really respect the dolphins for um, how, sorry about that. Um, how blatantly they are tanking. Is that a home phone? That's, that could be gone. <laughs> He's moonlighting. It, someone's trying to order a pizza, but you know, Nick has to take a call. Dude, what better quarterback to have for Devonte Parker and on a one-year prove-it deal, like it's either going to go gloriously well for Devonte Parker and he's going to get paid in some way the following season, or he can just blame having a really bad old quarterback who couldn't get him the football. It's a win-win. That's an excellent point. I'm so interested to see if we're going to see the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we've seen for the past decade, which is you're going to be really surprised for five games and wonder, has he really turned it around finally? Like, is this the season where he's going to put it all together? And then, you know, no, Look, <laughs> it's turned here, out so far. Here's what's going to happen. The Patriots are going to start like, 
one and three or two and two just get off to that traditional slow September start. <laughs> the Dolphins are going to be like three and one, and people are going to be like, "Whoa, what's what's going on in the uh, AFC East? What's going on? Ryan Fitzmagic again?" And then they're going to end up being like seven and nine or something. He's going to be averaging an interception per hundred yards thrown. <laughs> just I mean, air raid. The Dolphins are going to be so hard to. It's going to be so hard to tease out who's going to be viable for you on the Dolphins this year. That I think, you know, maybe if Ben Roethlisberger gets back to his old ways and is suspended for three or four games at the beginning of the season, maybe you'll think about drafting Fitzpatrick just as a bridge, but big avoid for the Dolphins, unless you know. Devontae Parker, that's a that's an interesting name to keep in mind. Fitzpatrick does seem to always know where his bread is buttered with his wide receivers, and he throws it. He likes the with, big guys. With abandon, yeah. Love it. My dynasty I, team is hoping for a big jump from Kalen Balaj down there in Miami. It's going to be a rough year for Dolphins fans, guys. Like, Very much hope, so. Hope they don't pull a Giants. You know, they're I think last year the Giants were like one and nine and then ripped off four wins to close the season, just sort of ruining their draft position. But <laughs> super happy to have Fitz in the league. Other any other Dolphins talk? I feel like we can do all of our Dolphins talk for the entire offseason right now. Anything else? Who's I wonder coach? sorry, go Jordan. A guy from New England whose name is escaping me. Oh yeah, the uh, defensive assistant, or like he wasn't yeah. quite the coordinator. I think it's Brian Flores. Flores, that's it. Oh, I I thought they I thought they got like their linebackers coach or something. Um, I but I do wonder on that note um, if the Dolphins' defense could end up being an interesting flyer from time to time because um, like Fitz will. <laughs> He may not score a lot, but he will move the ball down the field and might like keep a sort of just a high octane situation going on both sides. And, you know, more passing attempts there are, more attempts there are for uh, turnovers for picks and maybe pick sixes. I, I don't know. I'm just spit, spitballing here about how far the Fitzmagic can extend. Well, it's I mean, going to be fun either way. Jakeem Grant returning kicks and punts if they give him that responsibility is always a good look because that dude is a freaking burner. Yeah, I can't wait for the Dolphins to pick like a, a middle linebacker with their number with their first round pick just to really set off the season for something we can all enjoy. All right, we've got to move on. I, I could talk about Fitzpatrick all all night, but uh, another interesting potential fantasy impacting move we have. A man who I've never believed in and who I wish the best as a person, but I don't think is someone you should ever draft in fantasy. Tevin Coleman signs with the 49ers, Nick's favorite team, and is going to get to participate in that Shanahan backfield that we've all been so excited about. Uh, whose turn is it to go first? I think, Jordan, you're up. Uh, well, I like the the move. Um, you know, if you need somebody that you need to plug in on a, on a bye week, I think Tevin Coleman can come in and um, – you know, might get you a few yards, few receptions, a touchdown or two. Uh, Tevin Coleman has played in this offense before. So Shanahan definitely knows how to use him. And I think that's going to be a bonus when you're looking for, you know, when the draft is getting a little bit later, uh, you know, past the 
eighth rounder. So, and you, you just kind of filling up that bench. I think Tevin Coleman's definitely worth a look. Um, and somebody that you could plug in, uh, obviously in, if he's, you know, your RB two, I think something went terribly wrong with your draft, but, uh, again, I think he's somebody to add some depth to your bench. I think he's a super, I mean, it's super goofy, right? Like in his last year in the, in the Shanahan scheme, he had 11 touchdowns playing RB two, um, which like props to him. Um, I can't help but laugh at the idea that he, he basically went from having to compete with just Devonte Freeman, which seemed like too much uh, for touches than now having to compete at least with McKinnon and Breda, if not also like Jeff Wilson sprinkling in there. Um, it seems like his path to touches is harder, but I guess, I don't know, maybe Shanahan feels more comfortable with him. If, if one running back, you know, separates himself from the, from the rest, he's going to be somebody to own. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe Coleman just goes back to like 600 yards and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be one of the shots that you take in like the ninth round, because you're going to look at the board and no one else is going to be really appealing to you. And this is something that I've, I've personally been saying for, you know, four or five years of it's the Shanahan offense. It's the Shanahan back. That's where you want to take your shots. Uh, I don't, I don't think Tevin Coleman is that good. He's got good straight line speed and just hasn't shown a lot of shimmy. Uh, but the 49ers don't have anybody on the roster that's markedly better. Uh, so, you know, Matt Breda is probably the best all-around running back there. And he's fine. Uh, but, yeah, this is just going to be one of those spot start situations unless the horrendous injury luck continues for the 49ers. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I always like to be wrong when I think players are not going to be good. Uh, so maybe Tevin Coleman can can show us something here. Maybe they're worried about Jarek McKinnon not being ready to start the season. Um, I know ACL injuries aren't necessarily a full year type of thing that sets somebody back like they used to be, but uh, who knows? Maybe they know something that we don't. That'd be really bad if at this point they're still concerned with that. Yeah, I hope not. I like to I like to see good players play. Uh, you know, and, and McKinnon got hurt early in the year, so I don't know. I, I think Kyle Shanahan probably – uh, is seeing ghosts at this point with all of the injuries he's had to deal with in San Francisco. Um, so we're big time now. So we're going to interrupt this broadcast for a commercial and ad. So please stick around and we will be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right, and we're back, and what an amazing product or service that is. Uh, there's a couple of other not as big free agency moves that I know uh, that that I that I am actually excited about. These are definitely the later round guys. These are your flexes. These are your third wide receivers. Uh, the kind of guys that are going to get you 12 points when your opponent's getting you six. And uh, all of these are you know certainly related to insider uh, Jordan A. Smith. The Cowboys signed Randall Cobb, replacing Cole Beasley for all intents and purposes. Uh, is Randall Cobb going to finally stay healthy and put up another 50, 60 catches? You know, Randall Cobb has been hurt um, quite frequently the past couple seasons. It's not something that you really uh, like to see, but I, I don't know if he can stay healthy at this point it could also be very well be the way the Packers were using him which was my main frustration with Randall Cobb is basically that the Packers tried to turn him into like this utility guy uh somebody that they would try to run like wonky wildcat plays with or uh bubble screens uh, but looking into Randall Cobb's stats he hasn't had over a thousand yards receiving since 2014 uh part of that is because he hasn't completed a full season since then and he also has 2014 season as his only one in which he completed and played 16 games in his nine-ish year career um so again it's kind of one of those things where maybe you can plug him in as a good spot start uh maybe a good flex every now and then but if you're relying on Randall Cobb to be a number two. It's, I don't know. Historically, it's not looking great. Um, maybe a change of scenery will be great for Randall Cobb. He helped us win a Super Bowl, so he'll, he'll still hold a special place in my heart. But, you know, if we have to play Dallas in the uh, playoffs, we are going to crush him. So this move kind of drives me nuts. Um, I'm a, a noted Amari Cooper hater, but it's, the, the crux of my issue with it is is his usage and, and where the Raiders were having him line up on the field and then where the Cowboys were having him line up on the field. Um, going into last year, for this from Graham Barfield, he was averaging 2.65 yards per route run from the slot, and it, which is second best in the league. He was around receiver 45 uh, when split out wide in yards per route run. He trended down a little bit, but it was still about a half a yard difference at the end of last year. Point is, Cooper's a phenomenal slot receiver, and uh, it seems like because of his draft pedigree or whatever, teams are not wanting to put him on uh, put him on the inside. And, and you know, I guess they're stuck in the narrative that a number one receiver has to be uh, running on the outside. And bringing in Cobb just seems like a similar thing with what I was saying with the Giants with Tate. Um, you already got someone who can do this job and they can do it really well. So build around them, not in their way. Um, so I, you know, I, I wish Cobb all the best, but I this this signing irritates me. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to step into that slot role. The tech, the Cowboys passing game is just pretty anemic anyway. And that's why, that's why I love me some Ezekiel Elliott as a, a lock to get 450 touches because uh, Jason Garrett just doesn't know how to do it. Any other way, uh, we have the aging veteran, to be polite, in Jason Witten coming back to run you know five <laughs> or six routes over the middle before he and Sean Lee 
retire together to take over the coaching staff. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, Randall Cobb has kind of stepped in as my replacement for Danny Woodhead as the guy who gave me a great season once. And now I just cannot stop myself from picking him for every team. Uh, So I can't wait to be disappointed in Randall Cobb again this year. Uh, I'll finally have a reason to root for the Cowboys other than Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, yeah, I I, I wouldn't advise hoping for the rebirth down in Dallas. Uh, We've got a couple more here and we'll stay Packers-related wide receivers, and Nick, we'll throw it to you first. The Packers re-upped Geronimo Allison, who showed us a couple of good games last year, playing along, of course, Devontae Adams, who I think sneaks into the first round of fantasy drafts this year. Are you excited about Geronimo Allison at all? Uh, he No, not really. Um, I'm more excited for the hole that has been vacated uh, for Marcus Valdez-Scantling to hopefully take over as a, a big slot receiver with Allison playing on the outside. I, mean, I think Allison's as uh, far as like, you know, what you can hope for from a number two receiver. I like it, but I'm a lot more interested in MBS. Yeah, I agree. I really hope that um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling makes a, a leap this year. Uh, that would be very great as a fantasy football player. I'm, not all that excited for Geronimo Allison. I think he can get you some consistent points. And anytime Aaron Rodgers is uh, quarterbacking an offense, then you can make a pretty good bet on a veteran receiver who has played with him for a couple of years. Um, so that's where my excitement comes in more as a Packers football fan, um, having Geronimo Allison back on the field consistently, somebody that Aaron Rodgers trusts again. Um, and I think Geronimo Allison, if he did end up going playing somewhere else, I would be much lower on him. I think he, there's a good chance he might be just a product of uh, playing with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, even though Pete's not here tonight, I still feel like I need to provide the worst analysis on the show. And so I'm going to with Geronimo Allison. Either Aaron Rodgers is just not really good anymore, or he's he's about to get back to form and really light up the league. He's had a, several bad years in a row, bad years by Aaron Rodgers standards. Uh, there's been a lot of turnover in green Bay and I just, you know, I'm not going to spend any big drive draft capital on Geronimo Allison, but I feel like this is a, a big kind of make or break year for Aaron Rodgers, And I'm going to use the he's due analysis for this one. That's why I'm excited. So super professional. You're all welcome. I mean, I think that's totally valid. Fantasy football is a a game of ups and downs. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to go with your, uh, go with your gut on, on luck and good fortune. And sometimes that, that can be all you need. Love that enabling Jordan. Thank you. (laughs) Please draft Geronimo Allison in all fantasy leagues. Yeah. You're doing everyone a favor. The last one we have a, Fantasy darling for about two weeks last year, the big slot Maurice Harris, formerly of the Washington football team, has signed with the Patriots. This one might be quick. Uh, Any Patriots signing is interesting, and especially a wide receiver of all of six feet. Uh, Very interesting for New England. Any, Any interest in this move for now? I think Nick is frozen. 
I'm just my mind is blown. My my uh, jaw is dropped, man. I'm uh, really surprised that you brought this guy up. I totally missed his signing, so I'm trying to catch up on it and see what kind of a how long is this? Okay, one year deal for a million bucks. Oh, wow, I don't know. It got a blurb on Roto World. That was the impressive part. But I think that that's really interesting because, like, uh, base level analysis here, the Patriots are better than every other team in the league, not except for my Niners. But um, when they make a move like this, like it's noteworthy to try to figure out what, what they were doing. I think that some teams make crappy moves and we try to go, well, what are they thinking? It's like, well, they're just dumb. Um, but no, with the pads, that's really interesting. Um, I think he's automatically a player that I'd love to take at the end of a draft. So I, I live in the DMV now. And I had no idea who the bleep Maurice Harris was. I had to look him up. I, he, apparently, he played for the Washington Breadsticks last year. Um, he had two I, games. He was the hot stuff. It says he's 6'3", 200 pounds. You know what? I have, I have some Chris Hogan whiplash from last year. Everybody was penciling him in as like a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, just because he was on the Patriots. Um I'm a little hesitant um, because not, this is an officially an anti-Patriots podcast now as well. So um, any sort of Patriots uh, goodwill or talking up the Patriots in any sort of way is just not going to not going to fly on this pod anymore. This is yeah. the uh, this is our new mantra. Yeah, I feel like Nick nailed the the nicest thing you could say is. Since it's a wide receiver on the Pats, maybe take a shot late, but uh, I don't want to say anything too nice and uh, get on Jordan's bad side here. So we'll move on to the the, the next segment. World. It's a new world now. Yeah. I, I like how Jordan's stepping in to fill the power vacuum. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's going to my head. <laughs> that That's the best thing about power is it goes right <laughs> to the top. Uh, so we've got – we have a show idea that I think we're going to morph a little bit. We're going to talk about some teams who we would like to see win the Super Bowl. Uh, Nick likes to change who he's rooting for, depending on who's good each season. Uh, Jordan uh, roots for Green Bay, which immediately makes him almost completely intolerable as a football fan. Uh, and, of course, my answer just is it's totally – uh, not biased and you know very bright uh, but we'll start with you Nick uh, what team would you like to see finally or again win the Super Bowl here um, I think Jordan I, I might be taking his answer here but after uh, some of their signings last week I think it'd be really fun to see the Ravens we want to see Lamar Jackson take the Ravens to the Super Bowl yeah, like, I, and and initially I was thinking, well, that'd be kind of tough because I got a, a young quarterback, and he's trying to. And I was like, wait, what am I, that's how you win the Super Bowl now. Outside of Tom Brady, you have a young quarterback, uh, a good defense, and a smart offensive mind. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I think the Ravens would be a lot of fun to watch, and go Earl Thomas. I love that. That wasn't my answer, but I do like uh, the response because the Ravens are a team that. I mean, I guess I just don't really have a problem with the Ravens. That's what it comes down to. I'm a big fan of the Green Bay Packers, and then the other teams are just either I hate you or I don't have a problem with you. But Lamar Jackson, it would be great to actually see him win a Super Bowl. I would love it. 
Yeah, unfortunately, the Ravens fall into the team which has moved category. So you're immediately blacklisted, and I begrudge all of your success. Uh, so I'd love to see Lamar Jackson get traded and go win it somewhere uh, where the stupid millionaire owner hasn't betrayed the trust of the people who've contributed to his wealth. <laughs> On that note, Jordan, other than the Green Bay Packers, what team would you like to see come up and win the Super Bowl? Uh, well, hmm. you know what? I think I think I have to give it to who I dub the saddest franchise in the NFL. It's cold. The city is small, much like Green Bay. And they've just had the most unfortunate luck in the early 90s. If you know where I'm going with this, they lost four Super Bowls in a row. Like, they didn't even fall ass backwards into a Super Bowl win in four tries, which you'd think would happen, but they didn't. It's the Buffalo Bills. Um, I don't know if they're going to get there with Josh Allen as their quarterback. As everybody knows, I'm very not pro Josh Allen. But I think as a city, as a kind of a fun fan base too, uh, they're in the AFC, so I don't really have any sort of – qualms with the Buffalo Bills being some sort of pseudo Packers rival, unless of course we played them in that Super Bowl, then they'd have to go down. Um, but yeah, nobody, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Let's get them a Super Bowl. That's a super goofy pick, man. I love the Bills pick uh, from, I, I like to listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast and they're not all great, but most of them are pretty good. And he speaks incredibly highly of his time in Buffalo. I like the small town vibe, uh, and despite the Bills uh, beating my Houston Oilers in a playoff game that is referenced every time another team has a significant lead in the playoffs, uh, what a tough, tough run of luck for the past 30 years for the Bills. To get so close, like you said, not to win it once, and then to just be, I mean, unfortunately, kind of a laughing stock. Uh, it, it, that's just tough. I would love to see the the fans in Buffalo get one. Plus, additional caveat, it could mean a dethroning of the Patriots running that division for years, and we are now an anti-Patriots podcast, so go Bills. I'd be, I'd be super skeptical. I, I, I think it'd actually be a lot more Bills if they managed to win and then finished in last the next couple of years, but... Um, John Brown is kind of the perfect signing if this were to happen as like the little engine that could. And like, I, I don't know anyone who isn't rooting for John Brown to just consistently uh, kill it. The guy's so good. Um, communist. Hey, I, communist. That's um, it. <laughs> I do think uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, AFC championship game would be a lot of fun. I think John Brown is the only wide receiver that Josh Allen cannot outthrow. <laughs> or we'll find throw, I should say. Yeah, John Brown, another uh another yearly installment on the guy Clark shouldn't draft and then drafts anyway board. Uh love to see that work out. Uh, so I, I have a team here, and uh obviously this team is the most deserving of a Super Bowl. One of the greatest cities within 200 miles of where I currently live. Uh, Probably the most humid city 
in Texas. We're talking about Houston. Speaking of teams being ripped away from the fan base because of the selfishness of an owner, uh, we got to see those Oilers blow a 50-point lead to the Buffalo Bills. We got to see one of the best franchises in football never quite get there, only to be moved to Tennessee to be named after the worst full-size pickup truck on the market uh, and then have some of their most successful years. So Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, Nuke Hopkins, lots of star power. Everybody loves the Texans, guys. So tell me why you believe the Texans not only should, but probably will win the Super Bowl this year. You know what? I was going to pick the Houston Texans, but I knew that was going to possibly be your angle, Clark. I think you would have a boatload of Wisconsinites on your side because of J.J. Watt. Um, He is a born and bred Wisconsinite himself, went to the University of Wisconsin, so that endear a lot to fans. Um, Deshaun Watson is just kind of a a humble championship winner. Uh, He won a national championship in college, and he's somebody that you just – he's easy to root for. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I kind of like to think of him as like the Paul George of the NFL. He's like a superstar player and he can carry your team just by how good he is, but he's kind of quiet and unassuming. Um, he's not as out there and in your face and yeah, he's just a a really good player that anybody should want on their team. And I, I enjoy him as much as any receiver in the NFL. So I'm, uh, I think that the Texans will win the Super Bowl because J.J. Watt will be utilized as an offensive weapon. He's going to have three touchdowns uh, lining up at the tight end position. But, hey, we need to do our breaking news drop. Oh, so breaking news. Whatever. What are you Although breaking news? We didn't say Jadavian Clowney. I love you, Jadavian Clowney. Okay, breaking love news. Him. Nick. Uh, yeah, he'll throw the, he'll uh, he'll throw the touchdown passes to Watt. Um, Beautiful. Watt perfect is now a Raider. That I feel like was written in the stars. I hate Watt as perfect. What uh, didn't he and Antonio Brown have some beef like two, a couple years ago? I mean, they're on the Bengals and the Steelers respectively, so it's like they probably did have a a tiff. Yeah, and during one playoff game, uh, Antonio Brown was coming across the middle and Vontez Burfecht completely headhunted him and knocked him out. Yeah. Uh, Later, to be knocked the F out by Juju (laughs) Smith-Schuster. Really endearing. Like, I don't don't think players should do that. But when someone's getting some comeuppance, I do enjoy that. So that play made Juju Smith-Schuster. Big fan. Don't really like Pittsburgh. Big Juju Smith-Schuster fan. You know what? I tweeted before the podcast because somebody tweeted a like compilation video of Vontez Perfect and all of his just dirty, nasty plays. And I said, Vontez Perfect might be the only player that I can definitively say should not be playing in the NFL based on his on-field performance. Now, there's plenty of people who probably shouldn't be in the league based on their off-the-field uh, antics or crimes for that matter but Vontez Perfect I know for a fact is just out here 
dirty play after dirty play. A lot of players do get caught up either in the moment or they don't mean to give a guy a concussion or to injure somebody. But Vontez Perfect is the guy that you know is definitively out here trying to harm other NFL players by twisting their ankles while they're on the ground, by head hunting, like we just mentioned before. I am not a fan of Vontez Perfect, and I don't think he should be in the league. When he gets suspended for eight games this year, I'm going to be sitting there saying, I told you so, John Gruden. I'm surprised he's not uh, too young to play for Gruden. If, the Raiders, man. They're going to be super interesting this year. Uh, They're shooting for hard knocks, right? I hope so. I don't think they can get out of it. They don't have any of the disqualifying things. And they have Antonio Brown, which if we want a spectacle, that's what we want to have on hard knocks. They're they're either this year or next year if they actually get to Las Vegas. Like That kind of feels like a lot. I'm hoping they do this year because we got to see the new team in town with the Rams and Jeff Fisher. And that was awful because it was the new team in town with a very not charismatic coach. And so I feel like let's not repeat that exact thing with uh, with the Raiders. I would love to see the uh, how fans react to, hey, uh, <clears throat> we're leaving. It's like we've broken up but we have three months left on the lease. So let's just try to be adults about this and uh, <laughs> everyone make sure they still do their dishes. Cause we don't want to argue. The Raiders are sleeping on the couch right now. Right. <laughs> well, the one bedroom <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time, right? Very economical. But... Yeah. It just got dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the Raiders. So we're, yeah. we're going with the whole like black hole theme. That's what they call their fan section, right? black hole yeah Yeah, Yeah. there we go big neil degrasse tyson supporters the black hole that's right uh yes we've reached astrophysicist hour we (laughs) if you're still with us hang tight all right so that that the only team i have that's worthy of winning the super bowl is of course the houston texans uh who anyone else for teams worthy of winning the super bowl or we'll just open it up to anything other interesting free agency signings that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, We have another breaking news drop. Uh Uh-oh. Another one from Packers Nation, which I'm actually okay with because I've been championing this for like two years now. Uh, Clay Matthews is gone. He is signing with the Los Angeles Rams, so he is going back to his L.A. roots, and he is going to go play on a pitch count for Sean McVay. Very interesting. I, I like to see guys play for Wade Phillips. And even though I think Clay Matthews is, you know, like as we all get older, we all lose a step. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets worked into that defense. Yeah. How is he played? He's kind of fallen off, hasn't he? Yeah. He's, he's good in like spurts. Um, you know, every now and then he'll pop up and make a play, but I've always, or not always, the past couple of years, I've had a little bit of an issue with his motor and with how, you know, how infrequently he actually makes an impact on the game. He's kind of like Randall Cobb in that sense in that he's he's injured. He was good for that 2014 season for sure. And then after that, it was like, eh, you know what? This is, again, another relationship where we're ready to move on. Is he Is he just kind of like a rotational edge rusher now? At this point in his career, yes, but the Packers have had to rely on him as like a full-time linebacker. Like he's okay. 
I think he's entered like that Chris Long phase of his career where it's like, yeah, let's let's rotate him in with like a stable of pass rushers. And I think that's what Los Angeles is planning to do with him because they have the uh, they have the resources to be able to do that. That's always kind of fun um, when you just compile like the old dude pass rushers who like probably don't even really want to do a whole lot more than get paid and try to go get sacks from time to time. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I like, like Dwight Freeney for the last four years of his career. That was fun yeah. to see him yeah. running yeah. around out there. Or Terrell Suggs right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I like these signings definitely more real football than fantasy. Uh, and this is just one of those signings that, uh, you know, everything's not the best or the worst. It's much like the Joe Flacco signing. Like it, it's fine. You know, he, he's okay. The Rams are a better team now that they have him on the roster. If they're not going to rely on him, it's fine. Hmm. Hot take. He's fine. Sizzling. (laughs) Yeah. Any more breaking news? I feel like I should make up some news to, to keep up, but I'm all out of ideas. I already used my Neil deGrasse Tyson joke. So, uh, so far, no, I can't think of anybody. Is there any players on the market still left that we're really waiting on? I felt like Golden Tate might have been the last guy that was significant. Yeah, I think we're going to kind of hit that dead period before the draft, and then we're going to see all these guys come off the board, except for Indomitian Sioux. Uh I have not oh, heard yeah. if he has re-signed yet. Mm-hmm. He'll be a force somewhere. You know, not, not what he used to be, but geez, you know, 90% of Indomitian Sioux is still pretty good. Eric yeah, yeah. can come sign a one-year deal in Green Bay if he wants. God, I want to see where he ends up. And you know, a low-key name that I really like is uh, Darius Phylon, who was like a rotational defensive tackle, um, who was pretty good. Uh, now, okay, actually, you know what? I'm just kind of digging for names now. I do think that he would be fun, but I got to get off this free agent list because I'm. I gonna... feel like you you made that person up. <laughs> That's not a real person. Anything for you the podcast, though. On. I love it. Yeah. Anything for okay. the podcast. So we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you very much for tuning in to the RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by the fantastic fake teams.com. Not only does fake teams sponsor this podcast, also a lot of great writers of which Nick at ginger underscore underscore Nick is a part of, of course, the great at Jordan underscore Smith 27 even though Pete flaked out tonight and shows love over this off-season podcast, give him a follow at Peter M. Rogers. Of course, I am at NFL Clark. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Bye. glad i found a tweet with all of our handles in it like four minutes before i was like shit we gotta wrap this thing up <laughs> <laughs> like, I- <laughs>